That being said, I want everyone to stand up. And I want you to grab, I don't, I'm, we're not going to do this every time, okay? This is a little bit weird. We're not going to do this every time. But just be mindful just for today. And look at someone and say, it's going to be okay. But I want you to grab all of your stuff. What? I'm just saying so no one else grabs it. Now, don't grab your wife now, okay? And... I want all of the men to move to this side and all of the women to move to this side. Is that all right? Just for one day, relax. Oh, your life is so difficult. If you don't know somebody, that's all right. They don't know you either. Just say hello. Just quickly, just quickly. Just anywhere, men anywhere. Well, this is telling. Well, this is telling. All right, you. We need. <laughs> it's fine, men. You, if you guys want to move up a little bit just to be closer, that's fine. Just grab a seat right up here. Don't leave me hanging, Ryan. Don't leave me hanging, okay? That's all right. We got enough. We got enough right there. Well. You know what, I honestly didn't even think about how this was going to look. But I think, I think ladies, we can at least commend all of these men that are here today. Because <laughs> we definitely need men, strong men in the church, and you guys are a rare example, it seems. I want everyone to stand up with me now if you're able. And get used to the people next to you, because it's just gonna get it's just gonna be a fun service. So you don't know, I say, hey, well, it's just family right now. So get used to those folks next to you. Uh, I always have to put the ground rules out there when we're talking about things of this nature. The first ground rule, if you've been here for any amount of time, anything that we talk about today, you cannot argue about later at home. Number two, you must be committed to never leave the person that you are currently married to. I just want a show of hands if you are married. Okay, you can't leave them, all right? That's it. The last thing as a ground rule is please do not assume that I and Joanna have everything figured out because we don't. I am not perfect even though she is. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. This is so much better. See, because I was, th I was asking myself, how come no one is talking? How come no one's clapping even? How come no one's shouting at me? And I realized it's because you're sitting next to the person you have to go home with. So today, if you hear something, you, hopefully you're sitting in a place where your husband or whoever, your significant other, can't see you. So you can shout and clap. If you hear a point that you like, you go ahead and you clap it up. Men, be very careful. But you do the same. Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves." And this is the key verse I want to hone in on. Not looking to your own needs or interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Father, I pray right now for every person that's gathered here at Freedom Church this morning. 
Uh, Lord, if Paul, writing to the church of Ephesus, can pause and say, if we want to have a unified church, husbands need to love their wives. And wives need to love their husband and be submitted in these relationships, God, then surely we can take a break and focus on our marriages. So, God, I pray right now by your spirit, you teach us what, what, who in the, who did we marry? Help us, God, understand this craziness. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. You can have a seat in the presence of the Lord. Men, feel free to put your legs up, stretch out. You have plenty of room, but ladies, tighten it in together. I, I don't care what you undertake in all of your life. Knowledge is always the key to success. If you don't know something, it's ignorance is always dangerous. Can I get an Amen. You know, I told this story before. I don't know if it was here or not, but when we lived on the north side of Chicago, uh, we went to a church, and one of the couples, they were chefs. Uh, they both were chefs, and one of them worked at the Union League Club. Anyway, we invited them over to our house, and I make a couple dishes. I make steak really well and uh, lasagna really well, I think, in my world. But it's just like meat and cheese compounded on top of each other. So it's not even that great, but they came over and I just did my lasagna and at the end I just like Parmesan cheese, like boom, you know, like I'm, I'm a chef. And I was so excited that they came over to my house and they ate and they said, whoa, this lasagna is amazing. You know, it's amazing. But then they invited us to their house. And he made this chipotle-encrusted pork, which was, the flavor was just like, it was, you, it was like God made it. And he made these pasteles. And if you're not Puerto Rican, you don't know what that is. But normal pasteles are good, but these things were like massive and had like some sort of seasoned herb, chicken. And I know it's later in the day and you're thinking about lunch, but it was amazing. And then they, they had these Brussels sprouts. And I was like, who's eating Brussels sprouts? And, and just the perfect amount of seasoning and bait. And I was like, these are the most amazing Brussels sprouts I ever had. Nothing was burnt. Everything was perfect, and his wife was a trained pastry chef. And the desserts, it was like, how did you, how did you make this? And he says, you know, Thaddeus, I've been the main chef at the Union League Club downtown, and he, he had to he had to feed a thousand people that were paying big money to eat. My little, this little meal was whatever. But I realized something in that moment that I, I love to cook. I love to eat. You could tell that. But they exposed my lack of knowledge. H how long do you boil an egg? That's the biggest thing I learned from him. He said just 11 minutes. I said, 11 minutes? Mind blown. Good. I thought you put the egg in and you just kind of wait until you feel like it's kind of good. But when he put 11 minutes on it, I said, I set the timer, 11, and it came out. The number one cause of bad cooking is a lack of knowledge. Write this down. The number one cause of failed relationships is a lack of knowledge. Almost all of the conflict that we have in our relationships with our significant others come because we do not understand them. Thank you. <laughs> Sean, she can see you. She can see you. There's not many white people here. She can see you directly. You're not lost in the fray. <laughs> not only do we act and think in different ways, but we perceive the environment that we're living in in different ways. And we think because we know we are equal in God's sight. That's, that's a fact that we have the same needs and the same desires, and nothing could be further from the truth. Amen. 
We are created equal. Men and women are created in the image of God. You are, you are God's children. You are equal. In this church, we don't play those games. We ordain women. Pastor Donna is an ordained pastor of Freedom Church. We, we believe we, there is biblical evidence of this in Scripture. We're not outside of the scope of Scripture. Junius, in, in later on in, in Romans, Paul says she was chief among the apostles. See, women have a place in the church. They have a place in home and in the workplace. We, we, you know, some of you all have fancy jobs and, you're, you know, you're big-time people over here. So there is an equality, but equality does not equate to a uniformity of needs. All because we're equal in God's sights doesn't mean that we have the same needs. We have different needs. No one's going to talk. Oh, that's fine. Because our needs are based on how the designer made us, how he created us to function as males and females in the world. Write this down, function determines design, and design determines need. You know, this year, uh, I just, function determines design, and design determines need. I got to remember, there are women over here. Guys were just like, yeah, I'll remember that. <laughs> They're like, repeat, repeat. We're talking about this later. I know your first rule, but when we get home, function, design, design, need. This year, I, I had to buy a, a weed whacker. And some of you, you guys and ladies even know these weed whackers. You walk around with your weed whacker. And I got one at Home Depot. And, and since I was a kid, I've always been confused. Because when you buy a lawnmower, you just put the oil in, and then you put gas in. What kind of gas do you put in? The gas you get at the gas station. It's real simple. But when you buy a weed whacker, what do you have to do? You got to take the oil, and then you got to put gas in the oil, and you got to measure it out, and then you shake it up, and you got a mixture of gas and oil that you got to pour in there. And it's like, why in all of these years can't you just use, like, I don't know. There's probably some science to this, and excuse my ignorance, but why in all these years can't you just put regular gas in a weed whacker? I'm always wondering that. But if I want the weed whacker to work, I have to mix the oil and gas and put it in the container and pour it in there just to run that machine because the function determines the design, and the design determines the need. So if men and women are designed different to perform different functions, we might also have different needs. Can I hear an amen? I want you to yell across the aisle and say, I have some needs. A better word for needs might be principles or, or fundamental rules that are established by God to govern and regulate how we function. And we were created to live by certain principles in this life. And the needs that you have are the principles that God placed in you as something that was predetermined before you were even born for you to function in the right way, just like the weed whacker. So when you have a need, that need has to be met for you to function right. I'm preaching good, but you, you don't not, you're not hearing me yet. You will in a few minutes. A product cannot determine its own needs. The needs are built into you by design. Without supplying those needs, that weed whacker will break. And if you live your life without your needs... You want to feel fulfilled. You want to sense love. You want to feel like I'm finally alive. Then you have to understand what you need. What does that person across the aisle need? You know, almost all of the trouble that comes in relationships is when we do not understand the principles or the needs that our partner is operating out of. 
we don't understand it because it's just foreign. And, and, and if you forget to mix the gas and the oil, and if you ignore it, that weed whacker will die. And if your relationship is not working right, or some need is not being met, and if you ignore that need, eventually your relationship, it'll die. It's just, so you, you have to work hard and do everything you can to understand how the needs of your spouse work. How many people would like to talk about this? Needs are so important. Needs control and they motivate our behavior. It's every single thing a person does is an attempt to meet their need. Everything. Because what? Our need determines our behavior. You will, st you, all, you are not listening to me yet, but you'll stay in an abusive job if it's meeting a need. You, you'll stay in an abusive relationship if it's, why are they, why are you still with him? You know, you know, you know, mama and them say that. Because it's meeting a, a need. I, when you're broke, you break. Y'all ever heard that line? Need, needs. If, if you get hungry enough, you might steal some bread. Nobody's ever been that hungry, I understand. But it could come, there could come a point that that need is more important than your need to follow the law. We, we're always working out of needs because needs control and motivate our behavior. Needs also determine how fulfilled you feel in life. If your needs are being met, you're only fulfilled in life when you feel like your needs are being met. And until those, that, your focus really matters. I'm hungry. I'm, I got to get this. I need that. You'll focus all of your attention on meeting those needs, and you'll start forgetting everything else because those needs matter. And the life of any relationship is always fulfilling the needs of another person. Love is really making a commitment to meet the needs of someone else. My kids know that I love them. I mean, maybe. I, maybe they don't. I don't know. They, they'll know later, like, oh, he did that and he did that. But I know I love them because I'm committed to meeting their needs. I'm committed to thinking of their needs before they think of their needs, and I have to supply those needs. How many people have kids in here? How many people have grown kids and you're still supplying their needs? Don't do it so loud. They might be here today. I'm still, I'm still. <laughs> mm. But one day they turn around and they start providing for their kids and then they look back and say, I can't believe all that my dad and my mom did for me. And they realized how you just carried them need after need after need. But listen, if your needs are not met, unmet needs are the source of frustration and the biggest lack of fulfillment in relationship. If you, if, if you boil it down and you talk to someone that's on the brink of a relationship being destroyed and, and, and divorce is in the air and they're talking about, we can't do this anymore, what, what, do, what do you hear them say? They say, I, I can't be with that person no more. They're selfish. Their lives are all about them. They don't care about anyone else but themselves. Joanna, I thought one amen. It looked, Joanna, please. One amen from that side. That's what we hear. They're, they're all about themselves. And it starts sending you in this spiral. I'm by myself in this because frustration is a byproduct and an indicator of your needs not being met. Because when your needs are not met, you are frustrated and unfulfilled. So write this down. The key to life in your relationship is meeting needs. Nothing more and nothing less. It's not that deep. 
If you can figure out how to meet that person's needs, you'll be fulfilled and have the potential. You'll be, the, the men will be, I can conquer the world. I can do it today. Everything will be right. So listen, our goal should not be on concentrating on meeting our own needs, Philippians 2, but the needs of the other person. Here's the question. Here's the question. Whose needs are being met in your relationship? Yours or theirs? So quiet. In a healthy relationship, both parties are actively working to meet the needs of the other person. When your spouse is meeting your needs, you are happy and excited to meet their needs. And that's what Lauren Hill called reciprocity. <laughs> so I want to unpack just a few of the needs. We can't go through every need, you know, that, that everyone might have. And some might not say, hey, that's not a need of mine. I, that's just not, that doesn't fit me, Pastor. And that's fine. But this is from studies that have been done. Some of the basic needs, we'll probably try to get through four each side, okay? Is that fair enough? We got a few minutes. We'll try to get through four. How about that? Four, four for the men and four for the ladies, possibly. Okay, this is going to come as a surprise, and I'm going to start talking to the ladies first. Ladies, the first basic need of a man is sexual fulfillment. Sean, Sean, we can see you still. They're all quiet, but in their heart, they're like, finally, finally, a real pastor who knows me. I'm coming to Freedom Church from here on out. Listen, if you understand that, men, and look, these needs change, they shift and things shift, you know, but, but men are driven by this need. It's what they think about when they are awake and when they are asleep and when they are happy and when they are sad and when the wind blows and when the sun rises and when the sun sets. They want, they want to stand up and clap. But they'll know they're going to be in trouble. You get enough already? Sit down. Sit down. Yeah, well, not, not today. But see, God said, be fruitful and multiply. How do you do this? How do you make sure of this? Well, you got to put some testosterone in their DNA so that they have an extra dose and a drive which would make them desire you. See, he is the seed bearer. God gave them seed. That's why men are always ready. On their deathbed, Bill says. <laughs> He's like, honey, my last breath. <laughs> not, they, men do not have a cycle. There's no cycle. There's no morning, evening, better. No, three in the morning. No, there's no timing. There's no cycle to it. And you have the key. If we had the key, we wouldn't need you. <laughs> when, but wait, wait, but when was the last time you initiated? When was the last time you wrote him a note and said, I realize you're the director of your department, but I can't wait till you come home and direct this department. You know what? If he got that note on the way to work, he would be like, oh, the boss, look, the boss could fire him. It wouldn't matter. He'd be like, so what? I'm just talking the truth. He will be at work with bells on in the car. He might stop and grab chocolates and wine on the way. He's like, what can I do to make this amazing? He, he can't even concentrate. Because his, his desire isn't the, just that. 
It's also to be desired. They want to be desired. They don't want to rape. No, I'm just talking real talk. I'm not saying a rape. I'm just saying nobody wants, oh, fine, it's a rape time. <laughs> Thank you for the time. Thanks for the rape time. Go to work feeling rapey. <laughs> Where was I? Look, all he wants is you, his bride, his woman, and he wants you to want him. But the opposite is true as well. The opposite is true. He, he, oh, hey, maybe tonight. And then at the end of the night, it's like, you know what? You know, we had that and we went to that and we went to that. This brother has been thinking about it all day. And you're like, we, we, oh, you know, we had, a, we went swimming and, and I'm just tired. Now. And then he's like, fine, I'm tired too. And he turned, you know, give you the turn. I'm tired too. And he's mad. And he's angry, and he's like, I'm, f I'm fine, I'm fine with, I, yeah, I'm fine. But when you need to put gas in the weed whacker, and you don't have any oil and gas to put in there, what do you do? Where do you go? You go to the next station. What? Oh, I'm sorry. This is a, this a, a Christians. No, no, but this, I'm just talking as, re, look, if people just, if we could just talk, this is going to help somebody. But I'm talking about Christian men, right? You're not supposed to cheat. But you have this need, and you're like, ah, and I, it's supposed to be with you, so what do they do? They, they cut the computer on. Oh, see? You, you find ways to meet needs, and all they want is to feel wanted and to be wanted by you. Set, ladies, just go set it up. Set it up. Set it up. Set it up. You initiate, set it up, because a foolish woman tears down her own house with her tongue. But a wise woman, what, builds it up? Builds it up. I'm going to leave this point, but it's so foreign. It's a foreign concept oftentimes, but men interpret sex as love. That's how their brain wires it. I thought at least one man would have clapped, but I'm going to leave that out there. That's fine. That's fine. What do I know? But if you meet that need, we will have a revival up in here. Now, men, the number one need of the woman, it's further away from that. It's called affection. Now, you're getting excited because we don't, the men are like, what? You know, sex is not affection, but the woman will enjoy sex if it is accompanied by a lot of affection throughout your whole week, you know. It's not something that they want. It's something that they just need. They just need it. It's, it's the things that happen in our lives is a result of the affection that we're given. And intimacy is only enjoyable with somebody who's been affectionate to you. They can't function properly without affection. And affection is, if I could define it, it, it is when you physically and verbally express your love and care for them. Physically and verbally. Affection is daily showing them, Joanna, why are you taking notes on this? She's like, okay, this coming back. Daily showing them that you are always thinking of them. I love you. I bought these flowers for you. Let's hold hands while we're walking outside. 
Affection is like, hey, let's go out on a date. Let's go out to lunch. Affection is a hug or a kiss on the way out. I've been thinking about you all day. You're, you look amazing. You're awesome. Every, affection is taking the kids off, away. And when you have four, you saw my wife, she was like, Jesus. When you have four, that's the only affection they want. Affection is cleaning up the house for no re reason. It's being aware of what her life is like and making her whole life easier. She doesn't want affection, the gas. She needs it to function. The idea that you are always calculating and thinking about what she needs before she needs it. Affection is cleaning the snow off the car before she gets up. Come on, Chicago. I know it's hot today. Affection is calling to check. What are you doing today? What are our plans? Where are we going? You know, all the, all the stuff that guys don't even think about half the time. Affection, it's, it's not even expensive, but it, it, costs, it costs you something. You have to think ahead if you want to be an affectionate person. Hey, what do you want for dinner? I'm picking up your favorite dinner tonight. I knew you just wanted this. I, I, oh, I just posted on Facebook how awesome you are, how amazing you are. Women, affection is something that she needs. Look at someone and say, she needs it. It's so quiet. I thought more ladies were going to clap on that one. Joey, am I okay? Am I still safe? All right, you give me the look. All right. Affection. I was just thinking of you. I was just driving around and I was thinking of you. Guys, we need a lesson in that because we don't think like that. We're just, we just, we don't think about anything really. <laughs> no, I'm being for real, except sex. And then you, don't say that, then you have our attention. So if a guy calls you and says, hey, I was just thinking about you, he had to tell his brain. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm not kidding. <laughs> Affection. Second need of these crazy men, recreational companionship. Men, look, men love to compete. We have this desire to be in some form of recreation. We needed it. God designed us to be aggressive in order to protect our home and our children. So there, there's this aggressive nature in us. Don't, you don't believe me. Just come over to my house and watch my boys play. They're just fighting, they're wrestling, I'm beating you at everything, and this is how guys actually connect. Go to the gym, you just see a bunch of guys hanging around weights, connecting. <laughs> I don't know why I go to the golf range after church on Sunday, I see a bunch of my buddies there, we're just connecting, not talking, but connecting. Go to the, look at the racquetball courts. All of you, all of the guys in here have some random thing. You know, I'm going to have to start pointing people out. Look, I, I don't play golf because it's fun, necessarily, even though it is fun. I play it because I want to chop the heads off of people. I think because I get one birdie, I'm going to get another birdie, and there's going to be another birdie. I'm like, I'm Tiger Woods in my head. I'm always looking for the next low score, and when I'm with other guys that want to chop my head off, and I want to chop them down, all of a sudden, I'm connecting and bonding. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I need it in my life. See, women enjoy recreational stuff, but guys, they just need it. And further, he would love for you to be there with him. You're an awesome bowler. You're an awesome softball player. Or maybe they're into some other sport. You know, you guys don't know this, but Joey, see, because he keeps looking at me like, oh, my God. Joey is a, he's like a boxing analyst. You can ask them, this guy, like, who fought in 1967 at, at, at the Ritz-Carlton? He'd be like, hmm. You know, he's that guy. How does he have time to know all of these boxing stats? You know, he can tell you stats of people fighting in other countries. I tried to trip him up with this guy, Joshua, Anthony Joshua. And he's like, oh, well, let me tell you how he started and this and that. What is he doing with that? Why is he spending all of this free time trying to be a master of boxing analyst? 
But see, the average Christian woman will walk in and say, you need to cut that boxing off because I need to talk to you right now. Right now. Cut the game off. You know we need to have a discussion tonight. Cut the game off. And so he cuts the game off, and it's almost like he goes into that sunken place. And he's like staring off into the abyss. And you're, you're talking, it's like... He'll cut that game off, but he, he's angry and he's mad. But what would happen if you sat down and said, what, what, is, this, what is this game all about? T tell me about, what, who is this bo boxer? What, what does he do? How, where did he come? Why do they do? You know what will happen? You will get into a conversation overload. You will have all the, con okay. All right, nobody wants to talk here. Competitive recreation. Men, am I telling the truth here? Anybody? Okay. The, oh, oh, okay. I don't know what they like to do. Maybe it's listening to jazz or music. Maybe it's reading. Maybe it's working out. But get, get in there with, join him. That's how guys connect, which falls into the second need I'm going to bring up for the ladies communication and conversation. If I want my wife to literally want to kill me, all I have to do is stop talking for like a week. She would be like, this relationship means nothing. It never meant anything. You've never been there for your kids. You've never been there for me. I should have married a Puerto Rican. You know, I don't know what she would say. Because they thrive on this conversation, this, this talking. And, and uh, the one researcher at the University of California found that women speak on average of 20,000 words daily compared to only 7,000 words from men. That means on average, women talk nearly three times as much as guys. A silent person, men, is emotionally daunting for a woman. If my wife, look, if my wife is trying to call me and my phone is off or what have you or whatever, when I notice that I missed the call and I look at my phone, it's like 12 missed calls. Like, why didn't you just text me just one, 12? And then they go, how did your day go today? And what do we say, man? It went good. How, how'd that important meeting you have go? It was good. You took your son to that baseball game. How'd they do in the game? Man, he did good. How was the sermon on Sunday? It was good. Why do they want to go on dates? Because when they get you on a date, they get alone with you and look you in your face. You don't have anywhere else you can go, and you got to start talking or else it's just going to be awkward. So you start talking, and you start talking for real. She doesn't want the conversation. She needs it. Thank you. Thank you. In the front. Talk to her. Listen to take time to share. <clears throat> and see, and this is funny because this, guys do most of their talking when they're in their recreational mode. And, and imagine if you just joined them, you start fulfilling your needs and they start fulfilling their needs and you're, the brain of a woman translates communication as being in a healthy relationship. It's translated as love. Which brings us into our next point, ladies. They also want you to be honest and open with them. So quiet. Thanks, ladies. Forget that point. We're going to skip to the next men's point. Look, honesty and openness ties in real close with communication, doesn't it? There's nothing worse. I don't know about you, men, but there is nothing worse than when you get caught in a lie. I don't get caught in many lies. But it takes so long to play a round of golf, it's hard to cover it up. 
where were you for the last five hours? I was uh, praying with Bill. <laughs> I don't know. We went in. We went in. <laughs> I'm busted. That's what I do. I sometimes lie about golf. I'm just confessing here. I told you I wasn't perfect. But, they, but, but if I lie and I get caught in my golf lie, she's like, you. I don't even know you. <laughs> because she interprets my openness and my honesty as love. And the more open I am and the more honest I am, the more she's drawn to me or to you. You see, hearing what I'm saying here, have you ever heard your wife say, man, why didn't you tell me that such and such happened? Okay, fine. Don't clap. That's fine. Maybe that's not a need for you. If your wife finds out some information that you shared with someone else and not her, you are, there is going to be hell to pay. Do not ever give any important information to anyone if you haven't told your wife. You might die in your sleep. Eat this, eat this, honey, eat this. <laughs> I'm just talking real, I'm, obviously I've lived, I'm talking from real life here because if I tell her first, it says, you matter the most to me. I love you. No one can penetrate our secret world. See, and Jesus is the man, right? And the church is the woman. And have you ever heard the types of statements Jesus makes? Cast all of your cares on me. Don't worry. These are the types of statements. Our wives should have that, that feeling of like, no worry. It's a, all of my kids. There's openness and honesty. They don't want you to be open and honest. They need it. Okay. Can I, can I do like two more? We got a couple. Is anybody learning anything? That's fine. Don't clap. Don't clap. Don't clap. Joanna's like, we are learning. We're learning. Tonight we're going to talk about this great sermon. Third need of these men, all men, we need to be supported in our homes. We, men have, look, there, there was nothing more crushing to my identity than when I got fired from a previous church. And I know, that, I know you're like, well, we all, we all were with you, so I don't know. Uh, but we find our identity and our ability to provide. So I was on unemployment for six months, and, and obviously people here helped us, and we, it was fine. But, but I, on a personal level, was crushed by a lot of the things that was happening. It, 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 because I, I, we have this identity, and men have to provide. We want to provide. We want to be able to get out and do. We have to work and provide. We, we love giving. We're givers, not receivers. So working and proving themselves. So when we go out into the world, much of our time is spent showing we can do it. We're strong. We're, we're able. We're men. And we can get. And we're always competing on this job space. You know, and we don't ever want to be found out that we're inadequate, that we're a fraud. And maybe we don't have it all together. So we're always competing. We went to this, uh, the men's uh, thing with uh, Pastor Greg and, and uh, Pastor Jason and all them. And he said, he was talking about inadequacy. And he said, the pharmaceutical company spent a billion dollars on advertising and a fourth of the entire pharmaceutical budget for advertising was for Viagra and Cialis. No, this is real. Why, why not for a healthy heart? Why not for better kidneys? Why not for psoriasis or something random? You know, why? Because they realize that men will do anything to avoid the feelings of inadequacy. 
So when he's on the job, I'm capable, I'm good, I'm strong. He's trying to show the world his strength. He's able, and the boss comes down on him. People come down on him. Other people get promoted. And he has to live in this environment of this struggle. And when he comes home and he feels all the pressure and the deadlines and everything going on, he comes home and he wants to decompress a place of refuge and when he walks in the doors, you go, where, where have you been? Why are you late? You ain't done nothing all day. What are you need to be everything in the house? The Bible says it is better to stay on the corner of your rooftop than with a contentious and angry woman. That's, that's the Bible right there. You can judge me all you want. And so what happens, they, they can't come home. Oh, I'm, I'm stopping at so-and-so's house. I'm, I'm going to just stop in there for a minute. Oh, I'm just going to pick up. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, I, because, and we learned this principle yesterday, and Jason, uh, just a powerful principle. He said, because men would rather give up their responsibility than to be reminded by you of their inadequacy. It's easier to give up your responsibility than to be than to live with your inadequacy. See, the, and this is obviously a need that works both ways. We're, there are just as many women in the workplace now, and I'm not saying that, but and women have to deal with outside pressure and stress too. I'm not saying you all can I get an amen. But the question everyone should be asking is: Is my home a safe place for my spouse to come home to? Is it a safe place? Or do they just scurry off into the man cave? They do that too. We do that anyway. Never mind. Forget that. Forget that point. But is it a safe place or is your home a war zone? What is it? Is it safe? You got to ask yourself. He doesn't want, when he walks in, he doesn't want your support. He needs it. Next point, and I'm going to close. I'm, I got two more, and then I'm going to close this out because we, we could go on for a minute. Men, another need for our, our, our spouses. They need our financial support. Now, I, I, I'm not talking about, look, the, the, you are the head of your household. You're held responsible by God to determine where your family is going under the vision God is giving you for your home. And your job, men, is to be like Jesus and die. Amen. Okay. And her job is to submit to a person who's already dead. Amen. I am not talking about who brings in the most money. It's irrelevant. But I'm talking about how you function when you distribute your money. See, we get into this thing of spending, and if I go out and I see a deal on a golf shirt, that's my, that's my problem at Ross. If I see a nice Tiger Woods $100 golf shirt for $20, I think God has blessed me with this golf shirt. I don't care if it's yellow, pink, orange. I just consider it. I, I kneel. I say, thank you, Lord, for this blessing at Ross. I don't think about a budget. I think this is God's blessing. And no one's going to take my blessing. <laughs> but the second she goes out and gets her nails done or gets her hair did, we sit back and we, they come home with the new shoes. We say, oh, we rich now. We played, we played the lottery this week. We balling now. Balling, huh? <laughs> this, is, this is much more important for stay-at-home moms. Because you get into this thing of I'm working and that's my money and that's what I'm doing. And, and you can, you, if you got something you want to buy, you, gonna sp you will spend that money. Mm. But they need to know that there is space and that your money is their money. You know, we, 
I didn't know if I was going to tell this story. Ryan, you still with me? You still hanging with me? Okay, you get married. Ryan's like, I am getting married in a few months. Mm. So we got into this habit of going to this sushi spot in Tinley Park after service. And it was, it's half off sushi on Sundays. Woo, half off sushi. That's amazing, you know. And so for Mother's Day, I wake up and I got all the kids and they all have cards. And we're like, Joanna, queen, come on down. It is your day. And she's reading these terrible cards. <laughs> terrible spelling, tears. Oh, I had flowers and some random stuff. You know, the stuff guys try to do to show that they really care. And she comes down, and the day is amazing. We're having an amazing day. Church goes well. Um, and we go out to celebrate Mother's Day, and we go in, and we go to that sushi restaurant, and we sit down on Mother's Day. And in my mind, I'm calculating, okay, so if they order this and the kids get the cheap sushi, the kids get the cheap sushi, we get, the, Joanna, you can buy like two of the hot sushis, you know, the $20, boom, it's Mother's Day, do you. And then in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to get one hot one and a couple cheap ones, and I got it all budgeted out. Oh, I'm the only, okay, fine, leave me out there. That's fine, that's fine. And so I'm estimating it's going to be about a hundred and some dollars. It's probably going to be a hundred and some dollars. Okay, that's fine. We're splurging. It's Mother's, you know, you make all these concessions. It's Mother's Day. It makes sense. I love her. She's the mother of my kids. Let's do this. So we sit down, and everyone comes around, and they bring, like, cups of water, and all our kids are there. And then the guy goes, oh, we're here, we're here, we're here. We're here back again for the half-off sushi. And the guy goes, um, there's no half off on Mother's Day. <laughs> Once again, I'm in the sunken place. <laughs> and then, you know, <clears throat> I don't know, I was in the sunken place. So I don't know what I was thinking. So I'm looking, and then, you know, I start, like I forgot, I start counting my kids. And then, I, and then I'm like, this is going to be $300 for some sushi. No, 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 no. My brain's like, no, 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 no. And I'm thinking my wife is with me on a ride or die. 300 we out of here. You know, like, mm. you know, <laughs> kick over the water, kick over the water. We out of here. You ain't going to ruin my mother's day. And so Joanna, we were, so we're leaving, we're leaving like we were already sitting there hungry, start, and we're like, we just can't do this. And she gets in her car and she looks at me, she goes, thanks for making Mother's Day so special. <laughs> and X, little Xavier's in the background like, I thought we were getting sushi. I said, shut, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. You're going to McDonald's. I'm not going to buy you no. You, I'm not going to buy you $50 worth of sushi. You're five. What do you think I am? Now, look, that was a set of. <laughs> I learned a valuable lesson. Call first. But. Her brain was saying, this is my day. And if you walked into a golf course, buddy, and you thought you were going to pay $15 for the round, and they said, no, it's $50, you'd say, oh, that's not that bad of a price. Mm. See, because we're so quick to meet our own needs. And if you are very controlling with the finances, you should make an account for her where you put money in there on a regular basis. And if, if things are struggling, if they, look, you're already dead. I'm talking to dead people right now. If, if in lean times, you need to make sacrifices yourself to meet her needs first. Joanna's like... She doesn't want to feel that her financial needs are taken care of. She needs it. 
Okay, la lastly, lastly for men, these guys need admiration and respect. And I'm, I'm going to close with these thoughts. Uh, Ephesians says, husbands, love your wives, and wives, respect. Nowhere in the Bible does it say wives, love your husbands. You want to know why? We don't need love. No, we don't. Guys are like, I don't know why. We can't roll with you the whole day, Pastor. I need love. But see, we interpret respect as love. We interpret it as love. If my wife says, I love you, it's good, it's something, but it doesn't really matter. Okay. I, I, I went too far on that one. Let me explain it to the fellas. When I get a gift from my buddy Matt, there is no love attached to it. If I bought him a new pair of Jordans, I'm going to walk up with the Jordans in my hand. There's not going to be a card, hey, buddy, I love you. You've been a special friend of mine. He'd be like, man, are you, are you? He would be confused. He wouldn't even take the Jordans. He'd be like, and he loves Jordans. He'd be like, no, 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 man, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Guys don't wrap presents. They don't, it's just weird. You know, if it were left up to me, I would never buy another card in my life. I, I, or your kid's birthday, I would just give them some money. I would, and it would just be rolled up, like, here you go. <laughs> but then I remind myself, you're the pastor, write something spiritual and flowery. See, see we don't need love. They, they don't, we interpret respect as love. What is respect? Respect means to speak highly of. To hold in high regard. To to praise. The average man in this church gets zero praise. Thank you, thank you. There's a couple people. In general, it's so quiet because you know if a guy says, that's me, Pat. No, you can't. No, we, just, we don't get much praise. I know you're sitting back and sometimes you might think, well, what if you don't have anything? What if you don't have anything to praise? You can still walk up and say, "I'm thankful God gave you to me." You don't have to speak. What is the Bible? He says, "Love your wives. Wives respect your husbands." You don't have to feel it to say something. Thank you. Thank you. A couple. Okay, fine. <laughs> Well, all right, look, all right, I'm going to make this plain as we close up shop here, and hopefully you guys will come back next week. General, when was the last time you validated him in his role? And this is just in a general sense. When was the last time you said, hey, man, good job. I, I love how you are with the kids. I'm so blessed God gave you to me. I'm the happiest wife in all of the South Sub. Well, don't go too far. Don't go too far. You want to keep it, keep it real. Uh, I have a public job, so people come up to me on Sunday and say, oh, man, that sermon helped me out. That, oh, man, that was a good one or whatever. It, it, people say that. But I'm always waiting for one person. Okay. I'm always waiting for Joanna to say, hey, man, you killed it today. And she says, no, that was about a four out of ten. Not your best. Look, admired and respected, they, they perceive it as love. Lastly, for the ladies and men, we're going to close on this thought. A woman needs you to be committed to the family first. And we're going to close on this, I promise. That's all I got. <clears throat> when you show up to events, when you go to the park or the graduation ceremony, or to the parent-teacher conference, or to the grandkids' recital, she interprets that as love. Your commitment to your family. What time are you going to be home today? And then you're there, and you're with the family, and you're present. Here's the question to ask. When you are making decisions of how you're going to use your time, how much time are you committing to your family? She wants that block of time committed to them. Okay, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. Church, is this helping anyone? Is it helping someone?
I'm not sure, but next week we might go into something very gut-wrenching. So you might want to come back and see what we talk about. But stand with me if you're able. And I'm going to have Joey come on up. The greatest thing you can do, and I want to charge you with this, is to seek to understand that other person's needs and to commit yourself to meeting those needs. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> Father, I pray right now. Lord, this family structure is the backbone of your church. And so I pray, God, that you would continue to give us wisdom and joy and peace in our homes, God. And that we would truly walk in this sort of place where we're looking out for the needs of our spouse more than our own. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to help us in this endeavor. And I pray, God, for every marriage that might be uh, struggling right now. Lord, let not this message be a source of distress, God, but... Use it as building blocks to build that home and build that marriage up, God. No, There is no marriage too far, too far gone, God, for you to come in and restore and rebuild. So, Lord, let there be a sense of gratitude and graciousness in our hearts and our minds for each other. And, Lord, I pray for strong homes in this house for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, somebody give God some praise. <clears throat>